opera is kind of dying. Like audiences are getting smaller, smaller. and smaller, and opera houses are having to cut their seasons shorter. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the people who go to the opera are older. Sure. And so it's literally just kind of dying. The Portland 50 podcast is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Additional support for the Portland 50 is provided by Zupan's Markets. Our guest this week is May Arden, a native Oregonian that has a deep passion for music in a way that I don't think I've really experienced before. She's classically trained and has made it her mission to make sure people can continue to experience opera. Yes, opera. And her new band, Last Man, will be performing on August 17th. I've made a link for that show uh, with tickets available in the bio of this podcast. But uh was great to have May on the show, kind of deep-dived into her background, what made her want to follow the opera route, and what the future of opera and Portland music has to offer. Here is my conversation with May. Is that your, is that your normal speaking voice? Um, um, hello. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I always love it because, like, um, when we I'll record some people and they'll do the the sound check voice and then when they actually start talking they're either way quieter or way louder right 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 so i would assume somebody who's that's been sound checked numerous times you yes. kind of you kind of know how to do it um yeah you would think i think so although i did go like hello <laughs> right but you you get sound checked uh more on on, on a vocal level and uh-huh. i think the the way y- you sing makes it even i don't know i'll say even more difficult but mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of power coming out of those pipes yes so power. yeah um where do i start there are so many places we could start uh but thank you first of all for coming in and being a guest thank you so much for having me um we were fortunate enough to have may you and two others down in the bloodworks live studio a little over a month ago um for was that the third time you'd performed all three of you together or the second time that was the second time second time under the operating uh, name of Opera, how did how did we phrase it? I think because I got it wrong like five times. How did how did we put together the project? Um, for that, yeah. we said Opera stripped down amplified. Okay, not as hard as I was making it sound, <laughs> but I kept on getting it wrong. Um, but a, a very unique experience, and so I recommend people go back into Kink's Facebook page as well as our website and watch that performance because that was that was awesome. I was. You know, it was a visual experience, but just, and you don't, didn't really get the full effect unless you were in that room. Um, but I think we tried our best to capture it on video. Well, thank you. Um, but that was, that was certainly special. Um, so I, let me start here. If I, as I asked the question of where to start, when it comes to defining the genre of music that you participate in, that you put out into the world, how do you define it? Cause that, I, I could give it probably like five different labels, yeah. but how do you as the actual artist uh, I describe it as um, post-punk experimental opera. Okay. Have those words ever been tied together like that before? Not that I know of, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Opera is such a, when people when people hear opera, I think they react in a lot of different ways because opera has a lot of weight to it. Mm-hmm. Do you see that when you, mm-hmm. when you talk to people that you say, I perform opera? Yeah, it, it's, yeah, I usually get a double take. 
Especially when you say put put all those you know definers in front of it. Right, right. What? Well, yeah. a lot of people. The the history of opera is really interesting. It was um, invented by a group of thinkers and musicians in 1500s in Florence, Italy, mm-hmm. uh, and they were just trying to revive the Greek drama tradition, right? Uh, which was based on myths and mythology, and myths and mythology are just you know the essence of human existence. So really, the origins and roots of opera is in something very primal, kind of bohemian, something that everyone can really relate to. And over the, you know, decades and decades and decades, it's turned into this thing that's very highbrow, not necessarily very accessible, um, maybe a little bit confusing. But if you distill it down to its essence, um, you know, it's about love and death and uh transformation and the things that you know you and i experience in our lives it, it is one of those things where just the, just the mere fact that it has been around since the 1500s that it has lasted it, it i think mm. that kind of proves that it's it is kind of one of those pure classical music forms that mm. it's kind of sustained this way but i guess to your point over over the years it has become kind of that highbrow type thing oh i can't even afford to go to the opera um, and, and I would guess that's kind of part of your mission, what you feel like is, is make it more accessible to, to the average person. Opera for the people. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your background. Where, where did you grow up? I grew up in a town, um, called Hood River. Yep. It's about an hour east of here in the Columbia River Gorge. The, 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 what was the nickname? Because I know the Dalles is called the Big D. I've heard some people call it the Big D. I don't know if that's actually <laughs> I've never heard that's that before. more of, of Dallas. <laughs> But I know somebody who's I who I talking to. They called it, they called it the Big D because they <laughs> they too grew up in Hood River, and then when Hood River became too expensive for the locals to live there anymore, mm. they all moved to the Dalles. Mm-hmm. Um, because now, because you know, Hood River kind of has this, you know, it's it's where you know if if you got some money to go spend on a second home, why not go do it out in in Hood River, right? Yeah, it's really changed. Yeah, um, when did you leave Hood River? I left Hood River uh, 10 years ago to go to Portland State University, mm-hmm. and um, I went there, and after I went to Portland State, I still was based in Portland, but I would travel to New York City to work with a voice teacher mm-hmm. once a month, and then I'd stay there for a month here or a month there. Okay. Yeah. And that was, uh, uh, when did you make the decision, um, how do I want to phrase that question? When did you realize that music was what you really wanted to focus in on? I'm assuming probably at a younger age. Yeah, I started singing when I was really young and just kind of never stopped. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, did you study music at uh, Portland State? I did. Portland State University has a really good opera program. And so I was lucky enough to kind of be in the right place at the right time. And then in terms of your, your vocal training... Um, had you received some here locally before you went to New York for some specialized stuff? Yeah, I studied with the uh, director of the opera department, Christine Meadows. Uh, and then before that, I worked with a voice teacher, a couple of different voice te- teachers, one in Portland, one in Hood River, lots and lots of voice lessons over the years. Would you say that some people are born with a, a range that's appropriate for opera? Or is that something that can be developed with the proper training? Um, I think it can be developed with the proper training. It's really like a muscle. Okay. Yeah. So just exercising it, repetition, um, but got it's. I'm assuming it's got to be done in the, in the right way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I've always been fascinated by that because, again, we're talking about an art form that's been around for for so long and as prevalent as it is pretty much in every major city there, there's going to be some sort of opera available i think at least in the, some of the more metropolitan areas well nowadays you know that's the other thing is opera is kind of dying like audiences are getting smaller, smaller. and smaller and opera houses are having to cut their seasons shorter yeah. you know and a lot of the people who go to the opera are older sure and so it's literally just kind of dying so what I'm trying to do is revitalize it, revive it, um, use newer techniques like uh, amplification. So mm-hmm. I amplify my voice, which is kind of like sacrilege. You can't do that in traditional opera houses. Right. Um, but it really changes the quality of my voice. And it gives it kind of this distortion that sort of goes into your bones in a really visceral, emotional way. We talked about the performance in the Bloodworks Live studio earlier, but I I, I regretfully now uh, neglected to mention the uh, two fellow artists that were there with you. You've got uh, Zia from the band Dandy Warhols and uh, Louise. She's with, uh, I'm blanking here. Louise plays with an artist called Zola Jesus. That is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Louise is kind of like the Johnny Greenwood of viola. She's okay. got a pedal board. She's also classically trained. She's got many years of really really high level classical training but um she is just a master of really avant-garde um cinematic sort of soundscape music yeah that's really gorgeous and, that, and that's certainly what we got when we uh performed down in the uh, bloodworks live studio so how did you how did you uh tell us how you met them and decided hey we should do something together that's a really funny story. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll be the judge of that. Okay. Okay. Maybe it's not funny. <laughs> I'm we'll see. <laughs> um, so uh, Jamie Mustard, who you know, mm-hmm. was at the car wash one day. Uh, and, he, and he does a lot of the um, production and um, sequencing and, and helps with the production of the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, he helped produce my last record. Um, so he was the car wash and he was sitting next to Louise and they had never met and he struck up a conversation with her and found out that she was this classically trained violist and said, Hey, you should come jam. Like we should make some music together. Yeah. We should meet May. And so she came over and it was like instant chemistry and connection and instant friendship and just started um, working out some music together and uh not long after that i i do shows over at the old portland which is the wine bar at the dandy warhol space Mm -hmm. auditorium and i was hanging out there and um courtney taylor taylor has just been like a huge supporter of mine huge huge um yeah huge supporter so zia was there and um suggested to her like hey maybe you should come play bass with us sometime Mm -hmm. and she was like yeah that sounds good and there it is. And there it is. So Jamie striking up a conversation at a car wash. Yes. How does th- that guy has th- the, he gets those weird connections like everywhere. He does. I haven't quite figured that out mm-hmm. um, because most of the time I don't like to talk to anybody, but Jamie, I mean, there, there he is. Um, finding, you know, what's interesting about that. When I was in high school, my girlfriend played viola mm-hmm. and we used to do this thing where, cause I could play the guitar a little bit and she would just say, I need to practice just just practice and so she's like just start playing chords and i'll try to match stuff and we would just sit around for hours and it sounds very similar to kind of what 
the the first little you know first time you did with Louis, I, louise i would assume it was mm-hmm. kind of that way you start playing something and she tries to she finds a melody and matches it or something like that was that mm-hmm. kind of how it went down mm-hmm. and then and then uh, the uh, project became um do you think um do you think what's happening right now in portland in terms of the creative because there's i think there's a lot of creative minds in portland right now do you think it's think what's happening right now what is happening with you would you be able to do what you're doing um in other cities or do you think portland's special in that way does that, does that question make sense because i'm sure you could probably go to other cities but maybe jamie wouldn't be sitting next to a violist at a car wash yeah do, do you think portland is instrumental in kind of what you're trying to do absolutely yeah. um and i guess maybe there's just the fact that the that psu has a opera program mm-hmm. that i didn't even know about mm-hmm. is, is kind of part of that story yeah absolutely i think portland is the kind of place that encourages strange combinations like we have koi fusion which is a mixture of korean barbecue and mexican food you know right. like we have all of these uh we it's a it's a culture that really supports different ideas and the blending of different things and innovation and in inventing things so definitely um let's talk about you've actually got something can we talk about this your upcoming event yes it's it's probably just uh well i'm going to release this soon so it's going to be just maybe a couple weeks out let's talk about this is actually the three of you coming back together but uh, actually with a name this time did you decide on a name we did give us the name of of your group last man nice um, so this will be first time performing kind of under a name as a, as a band. Are you calling yourself a band, a group? What do you call yourself? Um, yeah, I think we're, we're calling ourselves a band. A band. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got a performance coming up. Why don't you tell us where the performance is, what it's all about? Absolutely. It's um, in Southeast Portland. Um, there's a real estate developer in town, uh, Kevin Cavanaugh. Uh, he uh that you know that building with the it's it's white and it's got the sort of pink patterns on it the the fair-haired dumbbell it's called yeah um so that's his building okay um so he um is sort of known for doing these really amazing inventive uh structures mm-hmm. so he and his wife um were at the bloodworks show uh and had this idea of throwing sort of a party an outdoor concert uh house party kind of thing so we're doing it at their home which is this um 100 year old uh garage that kevin turned into a private home but it's got this really amazing courtyard outside Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like a itty bitty music festival vibe so it'll be outside under the full moon there's these really cool beams up overhead it's encased by a masonry wall and um and yeah, we're just going to play some music. So it'll be you, Louise, uh, Zia, all back. And again, I keep referring back to this performance in the Bloodworks Live Studio because um, you did some interesting covers in there. Did you do any of your original stuff down in there? I didn't. I wasn't able to be there for all of it. Did you do uh-huh. some? Ori- you did some original material. So yes. I'm assuming that would be a very similar experience. Yeah, it's going to be similar. Similar. Yeah. How? How? Because ha- ha- I mean, you did a cover of In Excess but in French. Yes. Which, uh, again, blew my mind. Tell me how that came about, because I, I walked in, and I'm like, this is familiar, but the language, I, I actually speak French, but it was, I'd never heard Never ta- Tear Us Apart in French. <laughs> Walk us through that that uh, creative process. Well, one thing that I think is helpful with opera especially is to 
contextualize it. Yeah. Um, so sort of uh, sandwich the opera with songs that are a little bit more familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, the themes are all the same, right? So one of the songs I sang in that set uh, is about infidelity, about loneliness, about loss. And that was an opera song. And then the In Excess song is, you know, has some of the same ideas. Sure. Um, but it can be really fun to use different languages to sort of cause people to have different experiences or, or relate to the music in different ways. Yeah. It's kind of fun to hear a song and be like, oh, I recognize that, but I don't know what it is. Right. So I just um, did my most rough translation in my really basic French mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as best I could and just thought it would be fun. Yeah, and it definitely was. And then, and then I think the the, uh, the last song you finished up with was actually a cover of Britney Spears, yes. which was a very interesting choice. But it's, it is one of those same things where you have songs that actually have some some depth to them, but because the way they're packaged, um, whether it be a pop song or even a yeah. country song, yeah, that, we, yeah. that I think a lot of, I don't want to say music snobs, we dismiss it because of how it had been packaged but if you get if you get to those lyrics you're like holy cow like right there, there's a lot in there so <laughs> yeah. um which is when when you when you sang the britney spears it was like oh okay this is th- there's there's a story here yeah absolutely the portland 50 podcast is presented by jaguar land rover portland one company two iconic brands jaguar land rover portland is a don rasmussen company the legendary portland institution serving our community since 1950 what other songs or themes do you look for when you're either covering or when you're deciding, you know, when you're picking, because I'm assuming you're picking some classical opera to, um, to, to integrate into your sets. What, what do you look for personally to, to perform? The first thing I look for is melody mm-hmm. and something that is emotional and visceral just by itself. The second thing I look for is if I can if it translates onto the guitar, because typically opera is done with a full orchestra. Right. Um, but what I'm doing is stripping it down, just doing it on my guitar in the most basic way, just trying to cut to the root of the emotion and uh, make it as visceral as possible with the amplification. Um, so is it emotional? Is it Does it have a strong melody? And is it something that I can strip down and then make... Um, even more emotional by amplifying it. Very nice. And then, of course, when you team up with Louise and, and Zia, then sub, this like that synth bass comes in, and which, which was happened a few times down in the lounge, like that, it just reverberates right through your body. Mm-hmm. I can I, I can only imagine being on the stage with that was like, but out in the audience, you're getting that, and you're like, oh man, I feel this. <laughs> it's just like vibrating through you, which is which is pretty amazing. Um, do you think? Um, do you think as as now now that you as you pointed out that as opera gets smaller that um um am i trying to thought on this this is where i edit may i'll do my edit right here so i will sound super <laughs> when brilliant when you're thinking yeah um um actually the, here's how here's how i'm going to phrase this question so as you talk about opera becoming the audience is getting smaller but you're doing what you're doing. Are you aware of other people doing similar things as, as you? Um, yeah, I've I've heard of of uh, some different artists. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There's an uh, Icelandic uh, performer called Gita, mm-hmm. 
And she has an album called Epicycle that has um, reinterpretations of classical music done with strings and um, I think some electronic components as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I, I definitely get inspired from. So it's it's um, so you're you're not necessarily this sole person out here trying to do this, but similar similar things not um, necessarily exactly the same things but similar things. similar ideas yeah. so, similar sentiment like let's take this amazing old music and try and reinvent it mm-hmm. for modern day and use the equipment that we have now these amazing amazing synthesizers and um you know obviously the microphone and 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 amplification and, th- and things like that sure do you think um um are, are there are there artists that you're fans of that somebody might be surprised that you're fans of you're a fan of like so i don't want to say something oddball but uh, you know sometimes we'll have artists come through the studio and they're like i'm a big fan of such and such and you're just like i never would have put this style of music that you're doing with and have you be listening to this or do you yeah. have pe- stuff well, you're listening to that might surprise us well there's a local artist uh who i love named sean krogan mm-hmm. and he played with elliot smith okay um, and I just love his, I just love his, his, well, he, he throws himself into his music when he plays and he's someone I really, really, uh, really admire. Mm-hmm. And I kind of even bit his playing style. Um, when I'm, when I'm singing the opera, I, I try and make the guitar sort of as grungy and lo-fi as possible. Sure. Um, I really love Nirvana. Okay. Yeah. Um, what other instruments do you play? I've I've seen you holding a banjo, but do you actually play that banjo? <laughs> I do. Okay. Yes. All right. But it's I'm not. I just tune it kind of like a guitar. Sure. Yeah. And you you can do that. I guess you can, right? Yeah, just like the top four strings. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's a little little trickery, but you're getting that banjo that d- distinct banjo sound mm-hmm. from which what you want. Mm-hmm. What what other instruments do you play? I play a little piano. Okay. Little piano, guitar, obviously, mm-hmm. and and your uh, and your modified banjo. Or should we call it that a modified banjo? <laughs> Maybe yeah, you can call it a modified. Call banjo. It modified. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's a banjo. Um, let's talk about your the your most recent album, which is the uh, Jennings Hotel. That is your most recent, right? Uh-huh. Jennings Hotel, nineteen ten. Mm-hmm. Um, this was recorded at the Jennings Hotel. Yeah. Um, which is it? That's in Joseph, right? It is. Um, Joseph, Oregon, out there in the Wallawa Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, very unique place. I have yet to go, but everybody that uh, tells me about it is like one of the most special places and corners, probably quite literally a corner of, of Oregon. Yeah, um, it's, it's really beautiful out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in terms of th- there's not a recording studio at the Jennings Hotel, right? Or is there? No. Um, we recorded that album in the big wooden room that's downstairs. Yeah. Uh, so the hotel is kind of upstairs and uh, it's called the gold room. Now it's a, I think it's, they turned it into a pizza restaurant. Okay. Um, after, after you recorded after, there? Yeah. Okay. All right. I was, um, I was just envisioning you in the recording and somebody's <laughs> spinning a pie in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but before it was just this big empty wooden room. So it had a really cool, has a really cool roomy feeling. And so you, you record in there. That's one of the brilliant things I think about modern day technology is is if you've got the right equipment, you can 
if you choose to, you can record it anywhere you want, mm-hmm. whether you should or not. Um, it's another question, but <laughs> the album is, is wonderful. Um, wh- what made you decide... My understanding, were you? Did you go there with the intent to record the album, or was it just to write songs? What what sent you to uh, to Joseph Washington or jo- Joseph Oregon? Just got really inspired by the by the space itself, yeah, and sort of the feeling out there, yeah. And and did you write all those songs there, or did you already have some of them ready to go? And I wrote most of those songs, um, not there, but leading up to knowing I was going to go out be there and record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but it's just you and your guitar. It's pretty stripped down, right? And a box drum. And a box drum. Mm-hmm. With you doing the box drum? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Somebody else doing that part? Yes. Um, Joey Carper. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and was he, did you record it live or was it done in pieces? It's done live. Okay. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy those records because it's like, cause it's like how, how many one takes did you get? One. On, on all of them? Mm. Look at that. <laughs> I, I like I've always admired uh, performers because the, the, and this is probably the, the sign of a really good performer is that they, they may actually screw up but like they hide it so well often the mistakes end up being uh, kind of cool like a good mistake like a good mistake usually they don't feel like it right. in the moment <laughs> oh yeah, yeah you start beating yourself on and you're like oh and then somebody is like that was so brilliant when you did this right right yeah. yes totally did that on purpose yeah um, it's kind of like um, uh, the uh, I'm blanking out on his name, the painter Bob Ross. Mm-hmm. When he make mistakes, he's like, "It's a happy mistake." A happy and he, mistake. He put a tree there, or exactly, a, or a branch. Um, but uh, no, I I, see, I didn't realize that um, that you kind of did those in one take that you had done those live. I, I think more and more people are going back because that used to be the way they recorded. Right, was in one take. And then they realized, oh, we can do all the tracks separate and yeah. piece it together. Well, it was sort of in keeping with the opera for the people. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, giving a concert and 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 recording it live during the concert. So it had that live, uh, you know, performance feeling mm-hmm. that opera has. Um, I, I just realized now that we were talking about this great uh, concert you have where the, the last man is going to perform. Yes. And we didn't even talk about when it is and if people are able to go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. August 17th. Mm-hmm. It's a Saturday night. Okay. Um, no excuses. You have nothing going on on a Saturday night. No. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you to the audience. <laughs> Please come. It's going to be amazing. Zia McKay from the Dandy Warhols. Louise Woodward of Zola Jesus. Uh, we are last man. It's going to be really, really fun, and I'm really excited. And, and I'm assuming people would need to get tickets in advance. Yes. Where, where, how would they go about that? Um, on Eventbrite. Okay. Yeah. It. Um, I think uh, Vortex is going to be promoting it. Vortex Music Magazine. Right. Here in Portland. Um, uh, and then on my website as well, mayarden.com. In fact, I'll, I'll make sure I find the link and I'll put it in the in the the notes of awesome. this podcast. Speaking of uh, Vortex, uh, we're, we're great partners with uh, Chris over at Vortex. And uh, I would recommend people find Vortex uh, Edition 18. That was you, you had a write up in there, um, which kind of talked about um, your approach to opera and what opera has meant to you and meant kind of the world as well as gets it gets in a little bit into the writing of of the Jennings Hotel um, 1910 album. Um, so that'd be probably a good companion piece to this to this podcast. Um, what's um, so obviously this is going to be the f- not the first performance with the three of you, but the first under the name Last Man. Mm-hmm. What's what does the future hold for you either for you 
by yourself, May, or are you with Last Man? Do you know? Yeah, uh, playing uh, festivals is certainly something that we would like to do. Uh, doing some recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, not a not a hard timeline on that. You're just kind of kind of see where it goes. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think I I think sort of as quickly as possible. Okay. Yeah. While you're kind of in the moment for it. Yep. Yeah. It's typically the best the best way to, to have things, to do things, Get right? Get some momentum going. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I am the king, and I don't want to call it procrastination, but oftentimes if you don't do something in the moment, mm-hmm. other things come up. Mm-hmm. You start doing other things. Mm-hmm. I go off to weddings. You have to do a last minute Pecha Kucha talk. <laughs> Uh, we're we're saying that simply because that was a conversation we had before, and we tried to do this interview last week, but then you got called in as as a backup. I did. Yeah. Um, was that I, we? I, I do want to actually talk to you about this Pechacucha thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if the listener is not familiar with Pechacucha, I've had the experience to do it. You've you've done you've actually been at Pechacucha a bunch of times, but you've performed at Pechacucha. Which is a different than actually presenting at Pechacucha. I did. I did a, a mashup with a local uh, rapper, uh, Rashid Jamal, mm-hmm. and uh, we did a little duet. I sang some of a an art song yeah. that I had reinterpreted, and he uh, rapped, and it was really cool. So that was in the midst of these really unique um, of I don't want to call them presentations. What would you would you call them presentations? Yeah, I think they're, they're presentations. Okay, because mm-hmm. there is there is there is a deck, there is a PowerPoint or a slide presentation. But the, the unique thing about it is that you've got twenty slides, twenty seconds per slide, and it just goes, mm-hmm. and you have to keep up. Yeah. So last week I had the opportunity to talk about sort of what we're talking about today mm-hmm. with opera, stripping it down, amplifying it, bringing it into the modern day, so that you know these amazing. Um, pieces of music can persevere and and sort of survive and and still touch people yeah so i talked about the origins of opera and um you know the the greek myth aspect of it and um and how um opera houses are really dying and the seasons are getting shorter and how it's really important to um innovate you know i'm assuming it was probably pretty amazing because it's something you're passionate about i on the other hand I can't remember what mine was about. I think it was about my radio career and it was about how it was constantly changing. And quite literally the next day I got fired oh my God. after, after presenting a thing about, Hey, in radio, you might get fired, <laughs> which, is, which is great. But, um, did you, did you keep up with your slides? All right. Eh, yeah okay no, it's, it, it is one of those things where like suddenly like you're you're talking and you're like ah oh, i'm talking about some good stuff and then the slide changes and you're like oh yeah w- what next yeah if you don't make your point th- yeah and then i had a moment not to make this about me i had this moment i was driving home that night and i was just like i realized how i really should have ended it and not the way i actually ended it and i was just like oh man i would have killed if i had if i had thought of that brilliant part <sighs> beforehand but uh, for the end of mine, I invited Zia up because mm-hmm. uh, Zia McCabe is the resident DJ at Pachacucha. So she was there mm-hmm. and I brought her up and, I, and then I sang a little um, drinking song from an opera. Oh. And, and that was fun. That fit into your time thing or did, was that a little bonus extra at the end? That was a little bonus. So that's just the thing. And I think I need to have some words with the organizers of Pachacucha is that uh, I realized as I was wrapping things up and I was done, I was like, oh, I should have fit this in and then was told, oh, you could have done it. It's like, well, it's too late now. All right, again, I've made this about me. Um, all right, so coming up August 17th. August 17th. Tickets will be available through your website, mayarden.com. We'll put them on this link here. 
uh, go see May perform because it's it's a I don't even like again I could say go watch the video of Bloodworks Live Studio, but it's not gonna really gonna. It's so different when you're there. Yeah. I mean, it really am, the amplification. I really can't say this enough. The way that the amplification changes the experience yes. is really really unique so so emotional so visceral and then combining that with zia right and her you know big warm bass sound that she's so good at yeah and then louise just playing these really gorgeous you know emotional sounds and on her viola it's really special yeah so i, I think def- definitely a unique experience that uh that you can really only be present for to to describe so i will have those links for you um and then you know when when you guys put out a last man record <laughs> we'll have you back we would love that thanks may for coming in court thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure thank you for listening today and in case you've missed any previous podcast Be sure to check out kink.fm or download an episode wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, be sure to like and subscribe. The Portland 50 is a podcast about the people who dream, build, and champion the uniqueness of Portland, creating a better community for generations to come. It's presented weekly by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.